As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I am your host, Josh G. And I am here with returning guest, author Mark Anthony Brownlee. <laughs> What's up? What's up? Ah, not a whole lot. So I thought tonight we'd talk about a different aspect of your writing. I want to know, get the insight of how you came up with your writing style, because it reminds me of screenplay format, I guess is the best way mm-hmm. to say it. So yeah. what made you choose that style? Well, what made me choose that style was I just loved cinema at such a young age. I was always watching movies, you know, especially horror movies, you know, seeing my first horror movie at age five. And I just, you know, just love that aspect of, you know, just cinema. Just, you know, just when I you know, thought about my books later on when I started writing, you know, that's how I would just play my head, you know, just like as a movie. And always read a bunch when I was a kid you know, starting that, you know, that young, you're talking about goosebumps and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, those books are like pretty easy to follow. And then as you get older, you start, you know, reading, you know, more mature books. And, you know, those are very, you know, detailed and, you know, you know, the vocabulary is different. You know, there's, you know, words in there that, you know, sometimes you never even heard of. And, and sometimes you get so, involved in that that sometimes you almost kind of lose where you are and like sometimes you get like who's talking like who was you know like something and i would have to like backtrack and like like who was start like who was saying this line like where where was i like you know and that would happen to me a lot you know that's just the type of reader that i was and i said it would just be so just so interesting to combine you know traditional prose writing which is you know the typical format with screenplay because screenplays, I mean, you see exactly who's talking. Every name is centered, you know, what they're saying and how they're saying it. I said, that'd be really interesting. Like, you know, you would get the the format of a screenplay, but the detail of a book. Because typical screenplay, you don't get a lot of detail because obviously the director is going to be filling in those details. Um, you know, the scenery is going to be filling in those details when you're talking about a script. So, yeah, so I, I would put all that together and just, you know, made it like you're watching a movie as you're reading one of my stories and what I found out that a lot of people kind of resonate you know kind of you know resonated with that and they said it was like and they would always tell me they said I felt like I was you know reading a movie and they said it was so easy to follow and now I said that was you know what I wanted to do exactly so that's kind of where that started but actually I actually don't write like that anymore yeah, I have two of your books, and they're written like that. Mm-hmm. So that's what right. I'm going based off of. Mm-hmm. So those are my early books. And this one that I'm writing currently and the one I wrote before this are my first two that I've written just completely prose writing. But I formatted those in a different way, too. So it would be a lot easier to follow where, you know, whoever's talking is is based in the paragraph as it's going. I have all my dialogue separated from the paragraphs. But so everything's in quotations, but separated from the actual paragraph. So whoever's talking, you can get who's talking um, a lot easier. So it's a, 
it like I said, so it's not really a screenplay, but it's it's kind of like in that realm, but you know, not technically. Okay, so let's go ahead and give us a little a little preview of this latest work you're working on. As you call it, a horror epic. Oof. Don't have to get well, too detailed. I don't want you giving anything away or anything. Right. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I was trying to think of how to word it, like so I don't give too much away. Well, I can start off with what the idea I got for it was um, Stephen King's It. Um, that's actually my favorite novel written. You know, that is a horror epic all on its own. That's a really long book, but it's it's so detailed, and you just get so much you know rich imagery and um, characters and you know history of this town and these characters. And I just thought that's just like, that's so interesting. Like, you know, this isn't like a series of books. This is one book where you get all this information. It feels like, I mean, the first time I ever read it, it felt like I just got done like reading a documentary or, you know, something like that, you know, it was so long. And I've actually read it seven times in my lifetime. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not an easy feat, but I mean, that's just how much I love that book. And so I use that as a template and I just wanted to make a story, which is called Fear of Silence. It starts off three years in the past, and then certain things happen, uh, maybe a murder, <laughs> that kind of follows uh, my main protagonist in present day, which will be three years later. So it starts off when he's 15, and now when we get in present day, he's 18. And basically the past kind of comes back unexpectedly and he's already been through a lot because um, the impact of what happened to him three years ago still follows him, you know, in the present. And now everything's like starting up again. And he's just on the brink of graduating from high school and, you know, trying to start his adult life. And so I just give a lot of background with all the characters because he has a huge group of friends. Um, there are 10 of them total. So you get a, you know, well-rounded idea of the friends and their lives and, how they're maneuvering through all what's going on in their town because they're affected by it because you know they're friends with him and it's kind of like they're kind of inadvertently involved now because of their friendship with him and so I just kind of let it go from there and just sometimes a lot of these stories they just end up writing themselves and I thought I would have this book done and you know maybe a year or two usually that would take about the average it would take for me to write, you know, a tip like one of my novels. Um, and I thought maybe closer to two years just because it'd be longer, but it took three years to actually write it from start to finish. And now I've been editing it for two years and I'm actually almost done with this second round of edits. So next month will be five years that I started this book. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the definition of an epic, I guess. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably after this, I said, I'm, I'll kind of hang up the epics for a while. Cause I said, it's a way longer than I thought. So, but I just now can at least say, okay, I have that in my, you know, kind of bookography, you know, this one, you know, kind of epic story that, you know, that I can say I wrote this, you know, I finally got it down. I wrote this story. All right. So tell everyone where they can find your current books that are out ready to go so everybody knows where to go to get those um you can find my books on amazon uh, it's best if you type in mark anthony brownlee comma books and it'll just take you right to uh, all my published work so i have six books uh 
well, I've written 10, but six of them are published and those six are on Amazon. And that's Mark M-A-R-C. And yeah, that's where you can find everything. All right. Sounds good. So now we're going to get into the movie for the night. We're going to go back to 1972 and be talking about Blackula. 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 Dracula's soul brother. Deadlier even than he. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> all right so you gotta tell it when did you first see this i probably first saw blackula when i was about i want to say somewhere between 18 and 20 maybe i had a uh, actually had always seen clips of it uh growing up but never had actually seen it because it didn't play like other horror movies that play like, you know, during the 90s when I grew up, um, you know, obviously like a lot of the Freddy's, Michael's and the Jason's always played and the Child's plays and Candyman and, you know, those films would always be on TV, but Blackula, it just, you know, that just wasn't one that, you know, I would see on the regular. And I was so fascinated by it and I just, I just ended up buying it for myself. Um, I just found it on Amazon around that time when I, I started really getting into Amazon probably uh, my early 20s. And so uh, when it's, I found the DVD, I mean, I snatched it up instantly. And from first watch, I just I just loved it because it was so different. Um, it's actually, which I found out later, is actually regarded as the first Black horror film. And okay. I actually didn't know that at the time. And, and it was just, you know, it, you know, it kind of had some of the, familiar you know vampire themes of like the you know the old vampire days if you know he had the cape on and you know you had transylvania in there at, you know at some point and you know so it kind of had these you know kind of older things but then you know you jump ahead and you're in the 70s and you know you're in urban life and that was one of the first times i think you saw a vampire in that particular setting like because usually it was like in a castle um, something like that or out in the woods somewhere um, but this was right in the city this was right next door and you know that was just that was you know fascinating to me I'm not gonna lie this was uh first watch for me i had never seen i'd always known about it obviously right but, but i'd never watched this so i always like doing that watching these movies for the first time for the show so that, that was always mm-hmm. a lot of fun so for anyone you probably you pretty much have set it up but not pretty much. It. I was gonna say tell everybody what it's about, but you kind of, you kind of set that up. Is there anything else you would like to add to a synopsis for this movie? I guess synopsis wise, um, well, in the sense of the actual, you know, vampire whose, you know, name his real name was, you know, Mama Waldi. You know, he was an African prince, and he goes to see Count Dracula <laughs> to try to stop uh, the slave trade because uh, this is first set up in like you know the the 1800s and um or around that time and you know they go to speak to him because you know count dracula has a lot of um a lot of clout you know he's very well known and you know obviously you know very you know rich you know has status and um mama waldy was just a man who was just trying to you know get his you know free his people and he was cursed by dracula 
and given the epithet of blackula so it was almost like a mockery in a sense um on this african prince who was very well you know established and to me it was a bit of a sad story because he you know because he was cursed you know that's not something that you know he was seeking he wasn't seeking immortality wasn't trying to seek the secrets of the world or set out to destroy anybody but this was inflicted upon him just because of who he was basically so it's it's very deep you know it's a very deep horror film it kind of reminds me of something that you know Wes Craven almost could have done you know if he had you know written a vampire film you know maybe in that time you know because he kind of had that that essence about him um, well, well really we got we got vampire in Brooklyn so and then, oh, because, yeah, we got that, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but that one was really more on the comedy side. That one was totally hilarious. I mean, I laugh. I can, I love Vampire, but that one will have me laughing every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I thought it was a, you know, just a, a different type of horror movie because of those particular elements. And, and it's very much understood because, you know, this was, you know, a film made in 1972 during, you know, civil rights movement and, you know, life always imitate or uh, art always imitates life especially in horror you know they always reflect what's going on you know what's happening you know around that time and i mean i love horror for that like you know it's very you know i always just thought it was so awesome to just to kind of see that in the in the horror genre just you know everyday things but you know you give it this horror twist but you're putting real situations in that story that you know like like somebody like me could be dealing with or somebody like you could be dealing with you know anything like that so so this film kind of it, it really stands out, you know, during for that era. All right, so I'm gonna go off on a side tangent here. I just want to know what is your history with black exploitation films in general? This is one of the earliest. It's not the earliest. Yeah. But it is one of the earliest. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the earliest, and it was probably like one of the first ones that I saw specifically in that era. Because technically, some of the films that came out in the '90s were you know, depending on what they were, were considered black exploitation. Like Jackie Brown is considered black exploitation, but that was ninety-seven. Um, but seventies black exploitation, you know, it it had a really different meaning to it. And so once I saw Blackula for the first time, I was really interested in just seeing all the movies, you know, that were made out during that time because the whole purpose for black exploitation was just to have blacks in the leads as opposed to them being the side character or them playing stereo stereotypical characters you know a lot of you know black men would be cast as like pimps and thieves and you know drug addicts um you know these bad guys and women would always be like you know prostitutes or maids things like that so they wanted to really have them in these you know hero and heroine roles and and i was really you know really interested in seeing that just because you know just growing up in the 90s when you're talking about the 80s slasher era you you didn't see that, even though we had just come out of the black exploitation movement of the seventies, they lost that in the eighties. And, you know, you really didn't have any, you know, black, you know, final girls or, you know, young black men who are the, the leads, you know, like a, like a Tommy Jarvis or anything like that. Right. So, so I really, really wanted to dive into those and see what, where the mindset was for these movies. And there were really there were really good ones. I mean, of course, there were some that were not so good. I mean, they were like some of them were like super cheesy, super crazy. Um, they kind of did one that I remember called Abby, which is almost like the black version of The Exorcist. 
it, but I mean, but it's in a totally different setting. I mean, they're just, you know, on this, this like kind of urban street and, you know, they're just moved into this house and this, you know, young woman just ends up becoming possessed by the devil. In the sense, I mean, it's just, I'm not on it. Like, you know, I can still watch it, but, but, uh, but it was just, it was just interesting to me just to go back to that era and just see, you know, what, you know, why these particular films had to be made and how they wanted to portray them to the world, you know. And so that was, that was my journey with, with Black Quotation. So you brought up Jackie Brown, which I would say really is just Tarantino's homage to Black Quotation because he loved him growing right. up. Right, right. But that actually brings us to the sequel. I want to get your thoughts on the sequel, Scream, Blackula Scream, which automatically went up in my book when I was watching it and uh, Pam Greer entered the frame. I was like, oh, wait a minute. It just got better from here. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the sequel? I actually thought it was a pretty decent sequel, um, especially talking about in the era where, you know, you didn't really have sequels to you know, horror films back in that time. And, you know, really the only person that ca- that came back from the original was actually Blackula. Um, the surviving characters from the first one don't return, which I was actually a little surprised about, but um, it didn't, you know, deter me away from the film. And I thought, you know, Adam Pam Greer just gave it like, you know, kind of, an, you know, that extra little class to it, you know, because she, you know, she's just always been so awesome. And her character being this um, kind of, um, an apprentice to this, you know, kind of voodoo queen right. who had just passed away. And, you know, now she's like the apprentice and she has like these powers and, but she, you know, she uses her powers for good. And like, you know, in this one, it's all about Blackula just trying to get rid of this curse because he no longer wants to be Blackula. He wants to be Mama Waldy. He wants to get rid of this curse. Even if it kills him, he just wants to die without this curse being on him. And, again you know it's another kind of like sad story a little bit i mean just from my eyes you know because of the way it ends it ends like really with him just totally and you know suffering and you know it was, it was this really deep really dark and you just see him you saw him becoming you know a little bit more than he was in the first one where he just you know he kind of almost tapped into that really you know vampire side of himself i mean he kind of had this almost like you know barrage of just people that he just collected you know in this one and you know even though he was doing that you know he's like I don't want to do this but I have to do this in order to survive but at the same time he wants to be free from this curse so the sequel I thought like I said I thought was very good and being in that era like I said when sequels aren't weren't really made you know I thought they did a really decent job and what they did and, and you know just leaving that ending like super ambiguous and kind of really depressing I, I kind of I mean I personally kind of thought it was like a really depressing ending you know for a horror film so but you know that's just the way that you know the 70s rolled like you know they kind of like if you were kind of looking at air a lot of stuff ended on like ambiguous notes like you know with horror films you can even even some of the mainstream ones that i mean that came i mean black christmas that ended on an ambiguous note halloween you know they weren't intending to make a sequel that was 78 that ended on an ambiguous note phantasm ended on an ambiguous note i mean it was just kind of like a theme you know in the 70s you know seemed i felt like <laughs> i you know just trying to think of one that really just had like a simple happy ending like i can't think of too many, you know too many words it's like oh we're free we did it and like you know it's always like 
you know, yeah, you kind of, you know, maybe kind of finish them, but yeah, guess what? This is about to happen or, you know, so yeah. I felt like, you know, so for that, for, for that time period, it, you know, I think it was relevant because in the seventies, they didn't know how it was going to end, you know, because everything was kind of ambiguous because so much stuff was going on. It's, you know, how do we end this? When we don't even know for ourselves how it's going to end. Okay. So let's say you had gotten to have your own sequel. Like after you're watching Blackhead and you're like, okay, this was because I gotta be honest, I didn't expect all of a sudden a voodoo priestess to show up in the sequel. That's not where I thought this thing was mm-hmm. going. Like yeah. I, I still, <laughs> and maybe you can explain that I still don't really understand the title screen, Black Hill Scream. I don't get why it's called that. Do, do you have that? you get it? Do I you... actually got short either. <laughs> why it's called Scream, Black Hill Scream. You know, as opposed to just being, you know, Blackula Part Two. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I, I was like, is it just because that scream at the end, like, like that's the whole title, like, you know, that's how it ends. Oh, okay. You know, I actually that's... never thought about it because he, yeah, he is screaming at the end, like because he's, like I said, he's basically stuck in torment. Right. But so if you'd gotten your own that... sequel and maybe you got to bring back some of those returning characters, or if you wanted to go a different route, what mm-hmm. would you like to see? It could be um, back then or a modern day legacy sequel, I guess is what we're referring to them now as. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of legacy sequels, but I would actually make probably make a whole new, well, bring in a whole new cast. Okay, um, so you're going to remake and, route. Yeah, in a, okay. yeah, and have it very modern day. Even but even though with it being modern day, still have those elements of the seventies. Um, just this kind of you know seventies was kind of those like you know the free still kind of like the free era, and, but I would make it like you know keep that keep it really dark. You know maybe even a little bit darker, maybe diving in more into like you know the the Dracula story and how this is really affecting you know Blackula on this level. And, you know, because the first one was all about him, you know, he, you know, he wakes up after all those years and, you know, he wakes up in modern day and then he finds a young woman who basically is the reincarnate of his wife, you know, long dead wife. And so I would really want to keep those things in it. And like actor wise, I would probably want somebody maybe like uh, Daniel Kalua. Like he is just really I mean, he was in Get Out and. Um, he's been in a lot of good movies. He's a really good actor. I, th- I think he would fit that role perfectly. Or um, possibly Michael B. Jordan or uh, John uh, B- Bodega. I think that's or Bayoga. I-, I might be saying his name wrong, but he was in the some of the new Boyega, Star Wars. Yeah, John Boyega. Boyega. Black Boyega. Yeah, in the newer Star Wars movies. Um, he Intact might be the block. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Those are like three I could probably see, you know, taking on the black hero, taking on the black hero role. Okay, so you're definitely uh, making him a young black hero because that was the one thing. This this actor was older, at least he looked older to me. Could be wrong. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. For you know, I mean, I think movie wise, he he may have been in like his thirties, you know, somewhere around. I felt like a lot of people back even when they were like thirty and forty, they kind of looked a little bit older still, you know, back then. But you know, I think when you think about like an African prince, I think of somebody a little bit younger, you know, right. maybe in their, you know, mid twenties, you know, somewhere around there. And, you know, but with him being a vampire, he 
know, obviously he had been, you know, he would be living all these years that, I mean, he would have the maturity of, you know, somebody way wiser than his years, no matter what body he's inhabiting. And so, yeah, I, I would probably take that route for sure. But like I said, mostly just keeping it dark and keeping those, really keeping those themes, but making the story more modern day, you know, okay. um, just with the things. And I mean, and then you, I mean, since, you know, Blackula kind of had those themes of what was going on back then, you know, adding in the themes of what's going on in the world today. I mean, some of those, some of that stuff is still going on to, to this oh, yeah. day. Yeah. So, and, you know, and him, you know, being a, a vampire in this world, you know, in the modern day and, you know, seeing this stuff that he saw, like, you know, that he thought would have ended, you know, a long time ago. So I definitely, definitely would keep those themes for sure. Okay. But I think the real question is, would you have a scene in a club where some band gets a whole music number to themselves. That, all, that <laughs> always kills me. And I love that. That is actually one of my favorite scenes. Like, I literally had that song in my eye. Well, because I have the Blacklist score. You know, I collect scores. So, actually, in that song, and some of the other songs that are in that movie are, were on that that score. So, that's actually in my eye. <laughs> so, I love that song. Look, I actually would. I, I would keep a whole, you know, number. And it'd be that same song. <laughs> was there he is again is what it was called like i I love that so i felt like that that song was like the theme of the movie because to me basically they were talking about him just like a shadow you know a shadow that's among us like you know there he is again like you know what are we gonna like you know he's just always around you know so i kind of felt like you know that'd be like something i would definitely keep i mean obviously you know you give it a little bit more of a different you know tune because you know we're in you know 2022 so this is like 50 years literally 50 years ago so you know obviously you'd have a uh, different oh, yeah. tune to it. I would definitely keep that. I would definitely keep that in there because I thought, like I said, I, I love that scene. Like I thought that kind of really fit the movie. All right, so I think it's time to give that final pitch on why someone who hasn't taken a chance on Blackula should seek it out and watch it. I think Blackula should be sought out because, as I said it before, it's so different. And you know, who doesn't love a different horror movie? It, you know, really fit fit the era. Um, it has um, some really heavy things in it. You know, you're getting the heavy real things, but you're getting it with all this horror around it. And there's still a classic scene in there that I love where there's a cabbie who's killed by Blackula and then she wakes up a few days later and there's this huge pan shot where she's just running in slow motion and just her face. And, you know, I mean, that still chills me to this day, the way they had it, you know, how they filmed it. There's just so many good elements in that film. And it's just one, you know, that, you know, it's very different from every other vampire movie out there, really. I mean, it, like I said, it's, it's in an urban setting. You have a predominantly black cast, which you really don't, don't see much in like a vampire type of film. Um, usually they're more of a side character. So if you're looking for something different, I mean, this movie has all the goods, in my opinion. And it's the 70s. I mean, who doesn't love the 70s, you know? You know, that retro vibe that retro vibe just never goes away it's just like you know just kind of sticks to your bone even if you didn't live it you know just watching the films and watching other films you just feel like you get sucked into that era and like for you know the hour 90 minutes that you're watching it you feel like you're actually in the film like that's what to me how blackula makes you feel you're really knee deep in the story and hey for everyone out there it's available on amazon prime right now so Everybody's got prom, right? There you oh, go. Right. Easy, easy to stream if you can't. I'm sure you got the Blu-ray knowing you. Yeah. 
Of course, I gotta have that. I actually have like two different copies. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. There you got the sequel too. Right. Of course. And like I said, and the score. Like, you know, yep, so I, got, I got it all. I got it all. <laughs> all right. Let's go ahead and wrap this one up and tell everybody where they can find you and all that good stuff again. Uh, yeah, you can always find me uh, on my social medias. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I recently joined TikTok, but I've only posted one video, so you might not want to check me out on TikTok <laughs> just yet. <laughs> so I figure out what I'm doing on TikTok. <laughs> but anywhere else, yeah, you can find me on the regular ones uh, in Twitter. You can find me at Ant underscore Lost in Horror. Instagram, I'm under Anthony the, the Dreamer. Um, and then on Facebook, you can just always find me under Anthony Brownlee. All right. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at YNF Movie Pod. Uh, easiest way to get a hold of me is linktr.ee slash YNF Movie Pod. It'll have all the different podcast platforms, the YouTube channel, Letterboxd. I am on TikTok, but I haven't posted in probably five months. So I don't really use that myself. But until then, we'll be back next week. And I don't know what's coming next week. So, till then, you guys take care. I'll talk to you next time.